0: let's go let's go let's go let's
1: go ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the nashville tour stop podcast sitting in casa de phyllis today is mr
0: tommy o'keefe what's up man welcome to the pod buddy i'm good man this is my only like my second or third podcast so i'm actually a little nervous (laughs) right now thanks
1: for coming on today so uh I start every episode by asking how we met and we can't really, we talked about it before we started, but we don't really remember like the event of meeting each other, but it had to have been at Bellcourt, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I think I just had buddy like Alex Schofield or somebody was playing Mm -hmm. tour stuff and I, I mean, it would have been like 2018 or nine, probably 2018. And I, and I just walked up to you, I think, and I was like, Hey man, uh, (laughs) I was like, like, "This dude's nice." I was like, "Can I can I play her?" And he's like, "You're you're super cool." You know, some people were kind of snobby, and especially at that time. And I mean, you were really cool. And I think my first time playing Bell Court mm-hmm. was before that, though. I like filled in at like a different like Sunday night round. That's cool. And it was literally like the three guys on stage and the bartender. That was it. <laughs> and I had written at that point. That was like twenty. That was like my first month in town. I think I had only written like. Six like 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 I had like eight so I've probably written twelve songs and I could play <laughs> like eight of them, and we end up like having the whole time we had like three hours. You're to like fill. shit, I gotta play these other songs that yeah, aren't and, great, and they're all you know not <laughs> good. terrible. They're all songs you came to town with, and like, and I was with like Nick Halstead and a couple other guys, and they mm-hmm. have like all had great songs, and like have been in town, and they're playing all these songs, and I'm like breaking out these like <laughs> you know old old songs but it was it was fun so that's kind of so when did you move here so i came here my sophomore no in between my junior and senior year college at okay. nebraska go big red did and you go to belmont uh, no i went to nebraska oh you, um but you but moved I, here so i came here for an internship summer Whoa. like in between my junior and senior year just so just for the summer and honestly just spent the entire time like trying to meet as many people as possible. I was not good. I could hardly, you know, I could hardly play had like, you know, I had written probably six songs ever. And, um, but I just was kind of like trying to see if I could like actually, you know, want to do it for real. Mm -hmm. And, and then obviously just fell in love with the town and, and then went back to finish college my senior year and then graduated and moved here. That's exactly what I did. I
1: visited once and I was like, okay, I got to go back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I th- I think I remember a month in, I was at like a CMA, I was at like, it was like a Tuesday night mm-hmm. at Tin Roof on Demumbrian Street, and there was like this like big round with like LeBron. It was Libra, called, like, uh, The Revival. Yeah, but it was like, it was like, I think it was Revival's like band thing. Did they have the band thing there? Was it Bus Call? They had a full band thing in the parking lot behind oh. Tin Roof. You remember okay, that?
1: I do remember that. I don't think they do it anymore. I, they don't, they definitely don't do that anymore. It might not have been revival then.
0: And it was like, it was like Michael Ray, uh, like Lee Bryce, all these people. And I, I was like drunk and <laughs> I, I snuck, I snuck into VIP, mm-hmm. like followed somebody in and then just like hanging out with all these people. And I was like, this just idiot college kid. <laughs> and, um, Oh, I just remember that moment being like, where the hell am I? And <laughs> like, this is the coolest town ever. I it fe- am. It feels like it feels like a dream because sometimes you see
1: these like, okay, so for example, I saw Brad Paisley playing in the parking lot behind Seagale Publishing once. And <laughs> that was right after I moved here. And it, I had that same response where I was just like, what is happening? Dude. Like, these famous, like, megastar musicians are playing parking lot concerts.
0: I know. And that's the kind of weird thing is you don't get until you come here. I I think it now, Oh, it's, I guess what's sad. I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer, but (laughs) the, the scene has gotten a little bit too like touristy. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many, there's so many more people I feel like in midtown now that like, you don't really see the kind of up and comer guys just out randomly, like at like losers and you know, all those places. But like, I swear, the first, especially the internship summer, because that was like six years ago. Yeah. Any night of the week, you go to like losers, go to any round, and there's somebody like with a couple hits, or just even like these young gun like mm-hmm. people that just got signed are out. And I've I definitely
1: just, noticed that shift. So, what year was it that you moved here?
0: I have like for moved here for good in 2018. 2018. Like so May. I moved here
1: for good in 2017. So it would have been around that same time because I remember. You used to be able to see these hit writers a lot more readily, and I don't feel that way now. Yeah. Maybe it's because there's just so many more people running writers rounds.
0: I think, yeah, I think the one, I'm not sure what, I think we're just, everything's just kind of feeling, figuring itself out right now, Mm -hmm. but I do think, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's social media's, like, impact now is, like, it's so much more important to be on social media than necessarily outplaying talk. TikTok. And so, and which is, I mean, which is fine. Like I'm not trying to bash on, I'm just saying for the actual scene, it doesn't Mm -hmm. like do as much good. There's not as much benefit to playing a writer's round, which I mean, still like places like this is why, like I love tour stops so much because I still feel like that's like your has a culture like Mm -hmm. that is from the previous, like it's it's from the old days (laughs) yeah i know it is like still you go there and there's still that culture of like everyone's hanging out you're playing your song and you're like meeting people but you're also trying to like play your song to kind of like kind of prove yourself and i think that's what you know tour stop and a couple other ones are still doing well but there's some other ones that like just kind of don't have that like there's a
1: bajillion showcases and rounds now and it's it's weird because some people ask me, like, how has Tour Stop survived so long? I'm like, well, I don't know totally, but, like, it just has. And a lot of these others just, they they, they think, like, oh, running around is easy. Totally. And it's, it, sure, technically asking people to play at a bar is easy, but, like, it's hard keeping it consistent and like the culture of tour stop is exactly what you said. It's like, come hang out, have a beer, play your songs, make friends. And I, you, you can't do that on TikTok. You can't like make those deep, meaningful connections over a video.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think I sound that, like such a grandpa saying, no, I mean, I don't, I do, I do all the games too. I play the game too. I play, I do all the social media stuff. I do think that what you've done well, and that's is a testament to like what, you should do in nashville if i was going to tell somebody to what they would do he's like you need to just survive like out outlast everyone else and i think you have just stuck with it and continue to like grow it to like other venues mm-hmm. like sunny's and others other places and stuff i don't know if you're still, are you still is it still at sunny's no we're not at sunny's anymore but yes yeah, exactly what you my mean. point like, is this is like you go here, you go to Alley Taps, you go to these different places, and then when that kinda does its thing, then you go to the next place and yeah. then you just keep growing. That's kind of something I've done with music. I feel like, well, is is no matter what pandemic, <laughs> no matter what recession, world war, uh, any anything else, don't want to even to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever happens with that, you just kinda gotta keep going and keep pivoting and keep developing. Because it's just the way it works. You have to. Like, it's just about like people surviving. people
1: Nashville's a 10-year town. And, like, yeah, sure, it's it takes 10 years to make it. But I don't think that it's, like, it takes 10 years to make it. I think it just takes 10 years for the people who give up, for the lack of a better term, just give up. And then yeah. the people who didn't are still there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's I've, I've had that same thing. It's, like, there's a lot of times when I could have just given up on tour stop. It would have been easy. I could have gotten a job. I mean, I've been offered jobs since I've started Tour Stop, which is crazy. But uh, it would have been really easy to just take that really comfortable salary and benefits package and put on a suit every day. Yeah. But that's not fulfilling. It's not what I want to do. So I would rather try to do the thing that is fun and have that certain level of uncertainty, you know? It's, it's like looking for buried treasure. I just want to find the treasure. And just every day I go by, I'm like, oh, this might be the
0: one. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, I, I actually kind of look at it similarly. I, I think I always look at it as a, uh, like, it's like you're making, you got this slab of marble and you're sculpting, like you're just chiseling away and you don't really know what you're doing, especially when you first start out. Mm-hmm. But you kind of just chisel away. You don't. You literally just are meandering. You have no idea what you're doing. Just kind of chipping away at it. And if you look back after a week, or you look back after a month, you're probably going to be like, "Well, I don't even know what what that is." Yet. Right. I, I don't know what it is. But then, you know, you do it for a year or three years. You kind of step back and go, "Oh, I can kind of like what this is now. This is at least that looks kind of like an arm, or that looks like <laughs> a thing, that looks like something." And so then you kind of you keep going and you you get it figured out. And I think the more you do that the more you can like step back and once you've kind of figured out your direction then you really know okay mm-hmm. after five years or whatever that's about where i'm at is like i see something now i know what direction i'm doing and now it's just like continue to like chip away right. at like especially the first year in town um i just think that you're just meandering you just don't know what you're doing i i definitely did Were not you 23
1: I, when you moved here i how old i was
0: I was 21 when I did the internship and then okay. yeah, like 20, I guess 22 or 23 when, when I actually moved here for mm-hmm. good. But I mean, didn't, you know, didn't know I've gotten so much better put it that <laughs> way. Like, I, I still kind of look back and I'm like man my my parents let me like my friends and my family let me move here <laughs> like i
1: <laughs> yeah, oh my god dude i've thought the same thing cuz i'll go back and look at the songs that i wrote like yeah. that i was playing my first shows in
0: nashville and i wouldn't
1: dare play those songs yeah. out now
0: but i think it's just that's part of it and that's just getting better and i think another thing once again to your credit is and one the one thing that i've always tried to do and i'm really trying to do now especially is like you have to be an entrepreneur like you have to figure out other ways to mm-hmm build your income and build your platform and like like with a podcast or with whatever it that's the that's the new model i think for artists is i hate
1: calling it nickel and diming but it's kind of like that yeah figure out okay i can make this much from playing shows this much from royalties and Mm -hmm. this much from that and maybe i get a brand deal and Mm -hmm. i wear these shoes on stage like yeah little little things they do add up and it sucks and i forget who i was talking to recently about this but it was like you do have to set the really small attainable goals because if you set the goal of like i'm gonna play at the opry it seems like okay well how do i get there yeah there's there's a million steps that come before it but if you say i'm gonna play tour stop there are really cut and dried steps to getting to that thing And then from, if you make it to like the tour stop step, then you can say, okay, well I want to play a ticketed show at the basement. And then there's those steps and then there's just little things. So I think those small and attainable goals are so much more realistic, for especially new kids in town.
0: Yeah. And I still think going back to social media is like, you do have to do it. Like, and Mm -hmm. I, I have been slot list past six months have been crazy, but I, I needed to be doing it more, but You just got to find make it work for you. I'm I'm honestly still figuring that out, but I do think that you have to do it one way or the other. Even though you hate it, like yeah, I
1: don't enjoy scrolling TikTok or Reels, but it pains me to say that some of these people are posting two videos a day, three videos a day, and they'll post a hundred videos and then they'll post a thousand videos, but then one will pop off. Yeah, and then they get. 10 million views, and then they gain 20,000 followers overnight, and yeah. then it happens like that. I don't want to replace the live aspect of it, like the actual networking of it, but social media, like you said, is just so f- stupid important.
0: Well, and I think you kind of have to, you just have to try different things and figure out what works for you and mm-hmm. and really do well what works for you, um, but I mean, once again, I'm still figuring that out, but uh, <laughs> I mean there's definitely some people in art like that have been up and coming that have like figured out their thing and then you kind of just got to take it and run with it. So,
1: yeah, I feel so out of touch with some of these things on TikTok cuz I'll see like trending videos and stuff and people will be like you should do this one and then I'm like okay, and 6 weeks later when I'm like oh, I should do that video, it's already out. Like It's, it's, it's so hard to be on top of that, which is why I totally understand why people are like, I am a professional social media strategist. Totally. That's their job. They just create content and that's just their thing. But like you were saying, the entrepreneur in me knows I need to do that, but I don't have the time
0: or the knowledge or the interest in doing that. Well, also, and actually one of my friends, she does social media. Her name's Leah. Um, she does social media for some big artists and she said to me and I think it's the best advice she you can give is like don't try to necessarily chase the trends like don't do like do what works for you do it really well and make sure it's like authentic to you because usually that's the videos that like actually resonate when they're like when you're not trying you're mm-hmm. just like here's my thing I'm showing you my thing but it's very natural it's when you be when people try to do these like unnatural Things. The
1: super staged TikTok videos, yeah, you know what I'm talking totally. about,
0: and it and it. But the, sometimes it works for those mm-hmm. certain people, but but that's usually because it's kind of part of their personality, mm-hmm. and like not just the, not stage. I'm just mean like it when it feels natural. That's the that's usually the videos that do well for that person, right? And that still applies to any sort mm-hmm. of trend. It's like. It just
1: annoys the heck out of me when I see a dude posting a video sharing my song with my ex girlfriend, and then three videos later he's like sharing a song with my brand new girlfriend, and it's the same chick.
0: Like, yeah, like come on, come on! If at I don't least even pick know. one or the other. Yeah, I think some of that is just—I mean, that's just the—that's just the internet. I don't think that's necessarily. The Did trend. you see the videos with the mini mic that were
1: up for a while? Like somebody, like it was this Amazon Wasn't USB. was SJ doing that? Yeah, it was like a, the size of a pinky or I something. I saw that. I saw those and I was like, that's cute and funny. But <laughs> then I was like, by the time I order this and start planning people to do it, this trend is
0: going to be done. <laughs> well, and like it was your phone. It was yeah. like everyone had their phone. They use like the the mic on your phone, which is honestly, I mean, Just I don't as good. believe but- yeah i don't know that's that's an interesting it's just a weird time to like <laughs> there's so many d- different ways to do everything and it's we've just, got like these two dramatic
1: different camps like there's the like we just had maggie ba on the road and she's really good at social media don't get me yeah. wrong but she's going on this vinyl record store tour mm-hmm. and like the surge of vinyl sales lately and lately is the wrong term like in, over the last five ten years and so that's yeah. like super old school and then TikTok being the super new school and i'm like where is everything in between that yeah like where is the where is the normality between like going on the road and selling literal records versus being a TikTok star
0: i don't know i think i do think you just have to like throw everything at the wall see what sticks and stick with it like yeah. go like you know Continue to adapt to whatever the society is throwing <laughs> at you. Um, I mean, Cooper Allen—he's done such a good job of. Not only does he make like TikTok work for him so well, but he has—I think—better. He's than a any- hell of
1: an entertainer.
0: Well, I think he's done better than anybody else of taking that, but making it into his show. Mm-hmm. And does still- he do the mashups live? He does the master slides, but he even like fun, he makes his songs. The songs are fun. And like his everything about it is so it's such a fun, entertaining, like show. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't think many like social media people can do it that well. Like, I mean, I think I think it just depends on who you are, but I think he does it better than anybody else. It's just part of his
1: personality. Like you were saying, it's just, yeah, it's. It's not, it's not a
0: facade. He's not pretending to exactly. be that dude. He's just that dude. Yeah. And it works so well. And like, that's, that's a prime example of, you know, he's not trying to force it. It's just mm-hmm. part of, you know, how he's an, enter- as an entertainer. And that's, that's, I mean, that's why he's dude, his show is so good. I, yeah, I don't care I what fell anybody down says.
1: A, a rabbit hole. I think it was on TikTok the other day. Cause I do still try to scroll through and kind of see what's up, but I came across this video of a stand-up comedian and yeah, that's the one. That's- comments were eating this person alive. And they were all shitting on this girl about how like is this what comedy is now? Like whatever. But one of the comments said uh the it was something along the lines of like the ease of getting on stage and being given a microphone is too easy now because of social media and people who in podcasting is another example of it, or TikTok. It's like people who quote, quote, have no business being like on mic are now that we just have the option to do it. And I was like, that's true. There's some people who quote, aren't funny or shouldn't be comedians, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't try.
0: Well, I don't know if I understand that. So, so they're saying it, you're it, like, you, basically anybody can
1: buy a microphone. Start a podcast and just here's my thoughts to the world. Yeah. And because of the internet, and you can anybody can just do any creative thing that they want, which is on honestly is cool in one aspect. But then there's also people who might have weird stuff to say, who are given a platform to say weird stuff or stupid stuff. And before, if you wanted to be a stand up comedian, you had to go do the open mics and be funny. Yeah. And if you weren't funny, you didn't get to do it and now if you're not funny you can be on tiktok and still try and you might get one video that gets you twenty five thousand followers and you might get booked because of that yeah i had a viral video so there's this this weird i think it's like an imbalance between being actually talented and maybe getting lucky you know what i mean
0: yeah i just think okay and what okay from from that angle then as someone who maybe that hasn't, like, happened and you're, like, mad about it, like, oh, that guy. Why geez, haven't I gone viral? I've gone, you know. Well, dude, it's just, like, you need to find your own way. Like, the luck it of the sucks. Like, I still complain. Like, I'm like, well, I want, you know, I want one of my tongs to pop off. <laughs> but it's like, it hasn't, bro. So just keep, keep, just going. keep going. Don't it. quit. Like, if. You know when the time comes and you've continued to like get better and like develop your sound and your artistry and your catalog and everything involving like being an entrepreneur because I, I just I truly believe that now being an like an independent artist you just have to be like be an entrepreneur um, when the time comes you're gonna be ready you just have to stick with it like even if that person got lucky that time and got booked they're gonna tank or they're going to get booked for a couple, like a year or two, and then they're not good because quote they're quote lucky. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. Like it's it has to be sustainable, right? Like, and that's that's always been the case, and it's still going to be the case no matter what platform
1: you have. A friend of mine named Timothy Miles is a stupid talented songwriter, really great promoter, and he likes making goofy videos for reels and TikTok. That's what he loves all of it. And he had a really good idea for like, he wants to go on tour and he's kind of like this folk Americana singer, songwriter vibe. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out a way to do like the goofy, funny videos, the serious folk Americana music, but also merge in this love of like cooking for people. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I think what I should do is go on tour. And if people book me for a private show, they're not just booking me to play. i Cook them dinner and a show, and you invite your friends. And he is the entire evening's experience. So he'd cook an entire meal for you and your family, and then he'll perform for you and your friends. And I was like, that's a really unique entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. Because who the who the heck musician would be like? I'm gonna go to your house, cook you dinner, and play a show for you. Yeah. I'd never heard of something like that. And it's cool stuff like that. And that's why I think it's cool being an entrepreneur is because you just have these ideas and some of those things work.
0: Yeah. Traveling, touring, cooking musician. Well, some of these songwriters, I've even talked to a couple guys who have like a couple minor cuts, but like some of these hit songwriters who aren't really making the money off of like the streams anymore. Mm hmm what they're doing now is they but they have access to these like corporate private events so they're like they'll have a couple hits so like let's say they have like four number ones or four hits or whatever or even four just big cuts with like big artists that are like you know name mm-hmm. dropping type artists um even if they like an if it's like an album cut so it's they're not like actually making if that much get money if you have a Morgan
1: Wallen album cut you still have a Morgan Wallen cut exactly
0: and so <laughs> but what they'll do is they, they play these like golf Courses and like corporate events that just want these writers rounds with like hit writers, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid like thousands big of dollars. Time money for that and, that, stuff. and the whole point I'm bringing this up is, is that's a way of like taking the music concept, having a great, great songs, great craftsmanship, but also turning it into like where you can actually still, you still know, pay for money. your groceries. You know, I saw an article. It might have been this morning. That
1: Spotify announced they're creating a threshold for artists that if you don't get a certain number of streams, they're not paying anything. And I don't know if that's real. It was one article. It could be fake. But could you imagine the just exodus of independent musicians? It's like, why would I give my music to Spotify if I literally don't get paid anything for it? It's egregious
0: enough that they only pay one ten thousandth of a cent already. I will say this, man. I, I actually, am, I'm going to take the un, unpopular opinion on this. Mm-hmm. We don't get, you don't get, I mean, as an independent artist, unless you're really clearing streams, you're not, you're not, you're just flat out not making your money back or like you're making maybe enough to pay for your recording. But by the time you like produce, like do everything. So to be honest, like if that happened and it, eliminated people who are like kind of saturating the market, then I, I not you might mess, be into it. I'm not against it. Cause I'm already not like I'm, you know, you know, once again, I'm, I'm I have good stream numbers. You like, know that's you a know, good point. Solid. I hadn't
1: considered that it will, it might eliminate the people over saturating the market because that might come back to the, okay, if you have a podcast, that's not getting X number of streams, we won't carry it. Maybe that's another thing. So it gets rid of the people who aren't, I don't want to say not doing well enough, yeah. but
0: that might be a valid, well, valid it's thing. So, it's so saturated. Like everything is so saturated, even social media, even TikTok, everything is so saturated and everyone's like, it's becoming like cannibalized because there's just so many people doing it. And and once again, this comes back to just sticking it out and like adapting and adjusting. If like you're, if you're truly all in, then then you're just going to figure out a way to make it work for you. Yep. And so honestly unpopular opinion if that happened and that eliminated maybe people that are kind of like in the way i mean i'm not necessarily against it because i'm (laughs) not banking i mean i love getting the occasional hundred dollar royalty check from cd baby you know every couple months but it's it's really just not i put my music out there to get it out there Mm -hmm. so so if it's if I'm making a little bit less money. It's. <laughs> I think I'm. I'll be all right. It's just no sweat off your back. It's like because we're not. You're not relying on it anyway. And if you if you are right. relying on, it, unless you have massive numbers. But even then, if you have massive numbers, you're probably a full time. Yeah, artist. If you're a massive. Yeah. if you can get a billion
1: streams on a song, you're probably doing okay anyways. Yeah.
0: So like, I just think that if you're, if you're really in, like all in, and that and that happens, once again, just be like, okay, well you're still getting your song out there and I don't know. I feel like Spotify has, is the best, like it's so accessible just for independent artists. It seems like the place where they do the best and like get this attention or get mm-hmm. some kind of thing pushed towards them is Spotify. So you just don't rely on the streams because you're not making any money off yeah, them. Anyway. Nobody's going to say, Oh, I found you on Deezer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I just submitted a song to, for for distribution next month and I do I click the do it all even unpaid mm-hmm. for the streaming cuz I just I want the song out there. I didn't I didn't put it out there to get my money back on it. I put it out there to have it out there cuz I, like I love it. just make it. it available. Exactly. And you know, you make money off of shows and selling t-shirts. So if I get to play it live and they know what they know the song, then mm-hmm. that's going to help do your thing. So
1: well, let's take a quick break yeah. and we'll come right back with Tommy O'Keefe on the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. Yeah. And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast, joined this week by Tommy O'Keefe sitting in the house wearing some beautiful, nice, white, high-top chucks.
0: Absolutely, brother.
1: I am a Converse high-top man myself.
0: You are? Where are they at, man?
1: (laughs) They are in my closet right now. I've got my uh, Clark's Bostonian boots on right now. I don't like wearing my chucks out when it's wet.
0: Yeah, I know. slippery it and I don't like... In. Like,
1: my number one pet peeve in life is squishy socks.
0: Oh, yeah, I hate the it. The sound of... Dude, my dad played basketball in high school. They, Same. This is what they wore. Yeah, th- that's crazy. The I could not imagine like, playing
1: basketball or, like, jogging. I know, man. Imagine track and field in... Shoot like that with no art support I,
0: he's just just <laughs> terrible man. He might as well go barefoot i do want to say man this is 104 right for you episode 104 yes this is episode number 104 cool man There was a thing I, I heard on a podcast he said you're not a real podcast till 100 episodes <laughs> so you're a real podcast yeah, bro. Yeah. congrats <laughs> i was talking
1: with our old co-host named mike dunbar about it and he was <clears throat> he was saying something oh boy yeah, yeah. He was saying something along the same lines as we were talking about earlier with, like, the 10-year town and just surviving. Dude. And he was talking about the podcast. And he's like, how many independent podcasts that aren't hosted by celebrities make 100 episodes? Dude. He's like, you just survived. I
0: bet you, I bet you, you are in literally the 99th percentile. I'm not even joking. Podcasts that have done a hundred. Literally. I, I guarantee when you, when you factor in like all the podcasts that have mm-hmm. done like, you know, 13 episodes or whatever. And yeah, like, it's hard on COVID it's no, I, yeah, it is hard. That's what I've thought about doing. I'm like, I don't want to do it. It's you, a ton, it's ton of work
1: yeah. and like spoiler alert, listeners, fans, whatever we are calling you, we make no money doing this. Like yeah. it is purely a passion project. Because I've said it a thousand times. I do this because it's finally an excuse to just sit and talk to my friends. Like, if I book you for a show, we might get to talk for five minutes, ten minutes. But then you go and play. And we're distracted because there's people at the bar. There's music playing. It's never like a meaningful conversation.
0: Yeah, these
1: allow me to have more meaningful relationships and conversations with my friends.
0: Totally. I think that... I mean, even for getting to know an artist and like I'm a server downtown and I almost find that I have gained more like promotion and followers from people I've served versus Mm -hmm. people I've played down there for down there. Because when you have this one on one interaction with people and you're like they figure out that you're a normal person <laughs> that they respect you a lot more. And I think that's what is cool about it's it. It's like cutting your teeth. Exactly. Like, yeah. Uh,
1: one of my favorite quotes, and I forget the exact words of it, but it's a Jason Mraz thing about these people who want to go on the singing competition shows or TikTok Now as a, at his side, but like the people who want to skyrocket to fame. Yeah. It's like, that is technically a path to success, but the most entertaining, and this is the quote, it's like, the most entertaining part of a documentary about your favorite artists isn't the stadium at the end. It's the two hours talking about how they made it and the struggles totally. they overcame to reach Wembley. Totally, Credits roll when Ed Sheeran hits the stage at Wembley. Yeah. Like, but people want to see when he was playing to... The bartender at Belcourt taps like totally. people are more interested in the struggle than they are in the success.
0: Absolutely, I yeah, and and just also being like a normal person, like I think, I think that one of these things that's like popular on TikTok or not TikTok, like in, like Instagram even is, is they do like concert recaps, and it's like just like this, this like. Edit of them playing and they're strumming their guitar and the lights are going and that's this quick thing and honestly they all look the same and I skipped through all of them. But the when it's sizzle reels. Yeah. But when it's like them like walking around the fair and they're shooting a a little carny game mm-hmm. or like getting a win it like doing something funny and like fun. That's, and it's not like all chopped up and edited. That's actually when I pay attention to the video. Yeah. And I, I just think that's kind One of One of the only
1: videos on my personal TikTok that ever did well was a video of Tori Grace um, <laughs> sending me corn dogs on my birthday. And I didn't <laughs> know she was sending me food. She uber eats me food here to my house. And I had taken an edible gummy oh, on my birthday. And I was just zoinked out watching ancient <laughs> aliens just in having the time of my life ancient and aliens. Then, yeah there's just knock <laughs> knock 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 and i'm like oh oh who is that then i open the door and you think just, it's the cops or something i was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like who, who knows i'm here <laughs> and there's a bag of sonic in a route 44 just on my doorstep and i'm like that's it, like a gift from sketchy God. and um A minute later, I got a text from Tori. She said, your food has been delivered. And I was like, oh, my God. And I opened it up, and it was a bag full of corn dogs. So the video is me holding... She sent me like 10 corn dogs. I put them all into one hand and was holding them like a bouquet of flowers. And I was just eating them like that. And that was the only video on my TikTok that's ever done well. Just because it's, <laughs> you're right, it's just authentic. It's dumb. It's not, yeah. it, it wasn't chopped up. It was just me being like, heck you for sending me
0: corn dogs on my birthday, Tori. And then I just, <laughs> ow. Did you ever see All Time? I've heard the band All Time Low. Mm. All Time oh, Low. I totally have. Yes, the band. Yeah.
1: I met them. So. Really? Yeah, I used to be an intern at a venue in Columbia, Missouri, when I was in high school. And uh, one of my last days of my internship, uh, All Time Low was playing, and it was my job to buy them food. So I got to go take their orders. What do they eat? <laughs> Ham and cheese sandwiches, potato chips. They wanted like cold cut deli. <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: I uh, so I when I was like my my high school like teenage angst band was nice. was All Time Low. And their documentary, like straight to DVD, uh we watch, and it's the entire documentary is just them like screwing around, you know, in parking lots and like causing mischief and like <laughs> just being funny, and and I, I think like that's what people want to see versus like a super produced humanity. up, like they want to see the humanity, yeah, so. I don't know that's just a, a funny. If you have not seen the All Time Low Straight to dv documentary, it, it is hysterical.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll check that out too. Yeah, <laughs> it's I do love those music documentaries, but some of them are just they 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 get to the the success too fast, and it's like uh, the guy who owns Whiskey Jam, Ward Gunther, posted on the Whiskey Jam Instagram not long really? ago, and I think that it was a photo of Chris Stapleton, I think, but it might have been someone else playing in a coffee place just it it must have been like 2008 or something 2009 before he was successful yeah and he just had his little jewel case cds and the uh tips appreciated and no one was listening and he's like he's a survivor he's like every successful person or i say every almost every successful person every musician has played that gig that no one cared and it's fun for you and i as musicians and starving artist, so to speak, to see that, to be like, okay, this is one of the steps to that thing. Totally. And it sucks when no one listens, but it's like, this is the paying the dues, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And he's another guy that just seems like he's just continued to like adapt and grow. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm kind of, I am, I am going to just, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm sad to see Whiskey Jam go downtown, but I will say this, like he clearly has just over the course of whatever 10, 12, 10 years, uh, 12 years now has just you know moved to venues and done the outside shows and updated merch and and has done so many different things and done podcasts and all that stuff and and that's just a testament the to next like,
1: thing is probably going to be shutting down Broadway
0: yeah like, I mean honestly honestly they probably will do like a freaking the whiskey
1: jam festival yeah
0: because if they
1: can bring whatever that parking lot at losers was 2,000 people or something they could probably shut down Broadway and get big yeah. artists to come do big shows.
0: Yeah. And it's just wild to see, you know, that's just a prime example of like, word. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Pat, it's so
1: weird being a promoter and of like what I do, because I do have people come up to me and be like, how are you and ward? I'm like, we're friends. We're fine. Yeah. And people like in their head, imagine that we're like cutthroat, I'm like, no, no, no. nothing about Nashville or like most of this town. Like we're buds. We know each other. We We may not hang out. Like Ward's not going to invite me out to dinner with him and his wife, but we, we talk, we text like in 2020, we used to do this thing called the promoter summit where me and Ward and Matt Burrell of In the Round, yeah, I think he's it's great. called Outside the Another Round. Other guy's just now, doing so um, cool in things. Bus Call and all these show promoters, we'd get together and talk about yeah. the artists who've played our shows and who's doing well. And it was a really big compliment to me because Ward at that time said, oh, I look at the tour stop lineups to know who I should book for Whiskey Jam. And I was like, no shit.
0: Yeah. I awesome. Mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. And yeah, like to your point, it's not a competition. Like it's not when your friends make it or whatever. That's awesome. It's good for you. Yeah, and you know, if no one is, if you're around, like there's people who have egos and and that just does not last. Like once again, it's not sustainable. It's if you have ego and you your buddy or whoever is making it and you're not, and like it's if if anything, the people around you are making it, you are gonna eventually like make it. The rising too. I feel tides like raises Joe all Rogan, ships. Joe Rogan, I think talks about that with comedians is mm-hmm. like it's a communal thing and the more your camp rises the better it is for you don't yep. like get all jealous and butthurt and like and people just want to do that because they're insecure and it's just not it's the really way it hard you not to get on. jealous
1: when your friends get a deal when you want one too but i mean how many times does like for example when priscilla block got signed she brought her co-writers into her totally. band and one like of her, what, yeah, Sarah yeah, like they got Jones. pub deals out of it because she's just like they're my friends these are the people I want to write my songs with these are the people that wrote my songs that are popular now they should keep writing my songs because they're the ones helping me do this yeah and you don't want to if it's not broke don't fix it you know yeah it's like bring your bring your people up with you totally I love yeah. that and that's one reason I love Nashville it's so com- collaborative communi- communicative
0: communal yeah communal communal if that's <laughs> the right word
1: yeah, <laughs> the community in Nashville is real. But let's talk about your music, Tommy. You're a songwriter am, yourself. Um, we haven't even mentioned that you're a singer-songwriter.
0: <laughs> I, I am. Uh, yeah. Would I try you to give be. us
1: a uh, like an elevator description of what your genre, your flavor of music is, just so that people yeah. who might not have heard you before can get an idea?
0: I mean, I definitely. So Kenny Chesney was a huge. had a huge impact on my music mm-hmm. journey my actually my friend Jared Jackson is the one who in high school he showed me Kenny Chesney and I my parents like I was not raised on country my I was not either. my parents my dad hates country <laughs> and uh but I love music and my parents love music and really pushed me to to do music but um yeah I once I got into Kenny Chesney and then like Eric Church and we had this big fair called the Adams County Fair it was like our county fair mm-hmm. but it was a big like they had huge acts like big Eric Church fair. played it and that's where I went to my first couple concerts and just saw like all these up and coming country artists, and now like they're all the big, big time artists. And and that's where I kind of fell in love with country music. Um, and then joined a couple. I had a high school band. We had a, I joined a couple bands in college. Just kind of played every bar I could, mm-hmm. and eventually moved to or came to Nashville. Recorded like three three songs out of maybe six that i've ever written and just it was just a mind-blowing experience and that's kind of what got me to nashville but now i've been putting out music since i think what 2020 so mm-hmm. kept several years but but yeah i've got a new song coming out in december and just what put is a the new track out. called the new song is called tell me something i don't know tell me something i don't know yeah, what is the story behind this it's song? kind of a just like a cool groovy vibe um going back I guess going back to your question like what my music sounds like I would say it's it's kind of that like Kenny Chesney but also has like a John Party kind of western okay. feel to it and kind of that um, more like
1: early 2000s country vibe
0: a little bit yeah yeah Depending you on don't the not give me
1: big stadium pop country vibes
0: yeah no that's not what you do um but definitely John Part and then like I think now a I'm starting to really lean towards like the old Dominion style mm-hmm. of the kind of good vibes, kind of sunshine, melody type summer like vibes, that. but but still upbeat and and modern. Um, I just think right now, Old Dominion is my favorite band. I think them like what they're putting out is all just like good feel good songs. And this next one, "Tell Me Something I Don't Know," is definitely that kind of groovy Old Dominion vibe. That's cool. So it's who it's, did you write this with? I wrote this with Brad Hutzel Cooper Allen, and Kyle James. Cool, and they've they've written with me um, a bunch of different. We I just put a song out called "Then There Was You," which they wrote with me, and a bunch of other songs. We're we have another song, like two more songs coming out with that group. So I've kind of. I've kind of stuck with that group and a couple other little groups because you know we we seem to be consistently writing great songs we've been writing songs for several years now together so those guys are all you know so good cooper is amazing as an artist as well and brad hutzel he just got a tim mcgraw cut and kyle has a uh, cameron marlowe cut so there's yeah so they all have some some things going they've all been in town and uh, Brad and Kyle, I, I can't believe they, they have so many, they've shown me their catalog and they have so many hit songs that just have not been cut yet. It's <laughs> it's wild. So I I'm gonna definitely stick with those. The the the, the walk-ons is their That's cool. their band, but shout out to the walk-ons. <laughs> Man, I love
1: finding people who have those pockets of like these are these are the people I write with. And sure you can tangent off and have a write with somebody else, but like you have your core group and That's one of the hardest things I found about moving to Nashville early on. is like, who is my core group? Yeah. Because when I first moved here, I didn't know who I was as an artist. So it's hard finding those people who you really vibe with because I don't even know what I want to do. But as soon as you stumble into like, this is my thing, then you find the other people who are like, this is our
0: thing. Totally. And I actually, Nashville Tour Stop, I think is a good, you like, you go to Nashville Tour Stop and you speed date for co-writers (laughs) <laughs> and then that's, that's how I describe it. I've never heard that. That is what I describe it as It's like, I would say the model for like someone who's just never moved and doesn't know what they're doing or what they should do. They should literally go to Nashville tour stop and you just meet everyone you can play it. If you can, um, but even then, just if someone's plays a good song, like go up to himself, you know, hey, should, I like that song." Hey, quote, we should write sometime, bro. <laughs> and, and then you just like speed date for all like my, I think my first like three years is just completely writing with anybody I could. And like, you're literally like speed and dating. You
1: do really have to do it that way because yeah. like early on, I had a co-write with Joy Beth Taylor, who's got a deal oh, yeah. with, I think it's Sony or Warner Chappell yeah, or something now. Yeah. And, uh, I loved writing with her, but she didn't necessarily love writing with me. <laughs> and that stinks. But it, it's all to J-B-T. the tune of like we, we everyone tries finding the people. And I have my people now. And uh, a friend of mine named Coley Kohler is one of those people for me. Yeah. I've written with her maybe 25 times. And she and I have, I think, 22 songs that we've co-written together now. And it's like, yeah, it's really cool when you find those people who just click in to your vibe, yeah. your songwriting style, whatever.
0: Yeah, and even with those guys, especially, um, we don't have a bad time writing. Like, yeah, and even if you, you don't people, get a song, you exactly. enjoy being with your buds. Yeah, so there's times where... I'll write with them and we just, we won't get anything. Usually it's not. Usually we get something, but, but sometimes we don't get anything good and it's still just like, and I enjoy hanging with them and there's not a big pressure Mm -hmm. to get something good, which I think is a huge reason why we get things good so often is there's no pressure versus, especially early on when you're trying to like meet the right people, you're trying to like, we got to make sure we get a good song because... It's just like speed. It's just like dating. You, the first date is to get the second date. You know, like should we figure out if we, if we should get that second at least? Maybe not. I'm not, not the best dater, but uh, that's the whole thing is I've had some some co writes where it's just like painful. It's like half hour in, you're like looking at the clock, going, "We got three hours left of this crap." Like, yeah, uh, give dude, me out. of I have here, been man. in those
1: rights where no one likes what's happening, and no one wants to be the first person to say, "Should we call it?"
0: Oh yeah, I I've usually gotten to that point where I'll just be like, guys, if it's been an hour and a half, two hours, and like we're still writing the like SpongeBob, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like, if all we right, haven't guys, even decided the idea we want to write. Let's let's call it. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on with my life. I'm and, gonna go and, home. And, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So it, it's part of the
1: uh, part of the creative cycle. It's like sometimes it's just not there, and that's yeah. okay. And totally. forcing yourself. God, this is gonna be a terrible metaphor. Forcing yourself to crap. Totally. You, it's always bad. Yeah. If if it doesn't if the song doesn't come naturally, why would you want to force force the feeling of unnatural totally. or unnaturality? You know what I mean? Totally. Nah, people can totally sense when something sounds ungenuine. Totally, yeah. And it's really great when you finally find those people who understand your your personality and your songwriting style and then if you're all not feeling it that day you're not mad at each other because you didn't get a song you're just like and we didn't get anything this time totally we still like each other we're still buds and we can do this again another time
0: we're usually just shooting the crap to like what we're doing right now is just like man we're talking about our music Talking about Crowd, talking about something. You know, we're just like, man, what the hell is going on? What are we doing with our lives? type thing. But it's in a funny way. And and yeah, so it's always been it's always fun when you have the people like that that you just enjoy it. That's also why I like playing Nashville Tour Stop. because I feel like most of the vibe at it is you're playing your song and it's laid back. There's no like expectation versus you know, you can you can play these rounds. You want to do
1: well, but I'm not going to be like, bro, that sucked. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to heckle you from the audience.
0: It's an encouraging, positive vibe, which is what you need instead of maybe people in the audience with their arms crossed going, oh, well, it's not that good. Yeah. And I,
1: I won't name names, but I, I've been to the shows where I've seen people like get not booed, but like laughed at from the audience onto the stage. I'm like. Cut them some slack. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe it's this person's first time playing and they're nervous. Like, yeah. Don't be an ass.
0: Yeah. Plus, it's like yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs)
1: Like, where was the first place you ever performed
0: in Nashville? Um, Bluebird and Douglas Corner Cafe was for for I I called forty three (laughs) times on the way. I this is right when I was I wasn't even twenty one. I was twenty. And so I couldn't even get into half the bars, but I went, I had recorded my first EP called Taking Chances, nice. you know, and, uh, edgy. Yeah, totally. And, uh, it was good though. It was like, and it was like a mind blowing experience for me. It was like the, when I was like, okay, I could actually move here. And cool. so then I think it would have been the following like August still. So this would have been in between, this would have been going into my junior year of college. And I just came back and like took my, my mom, like, let me use her car and I drove to Nashville. And on the way there, I called like the open mic for Bluebird. And this is like still when Bluebird was like blowing up, mm-hmm. but not to where it is now where I, do they even have the open mic anymore? They still
1: have the open mic. They but do? It's, it's so hard to get on because yeah. so many thousands of people are trying to play
0: it. Yeah. So I called, I literally called 43 times. I remember, <laughs> I think I posted about it. And I got it and and just played This Lonesome Road by uh, <laughs> my my first EP. Nice. And so it was fun, but it was that was the first time I ever played in Nashville.
1: Yeah, I, the Bluebird was actually the first place I ever played, too. I did the open mic as well. Dude, nice. Huh? And I was sitting on my phone. I had the number pre-typed in, so as soon as whatever it was, 10 a.m. struck, I hit call. And I was the first, like, it went, <laughs> bluebird. Like, I immediately got it first call, and I was the first call of the day, and they just put you on stage in order. And so, you're the
0: first one on? I,
1: I was the first person That's on. awesome. It man. was awesome and mortifying. Don't
0: you have to stay
1: there, though, until it's done? You have to stay there until you play. Technically, you're supposed to stay there until it's done. So, I played first, and then they say... Um, if we have time at the end, we'll call up people randomly to perform a second song. So I was like, hell yeah. So I stayed and they actually called me up to do another song. Nice. So I was like, I don't suck.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Then I, Douglas Corner was another one where that one was a little bit easier to get on, but you could, it was like a four and a half hour, like super thing. long. So I think I waited two or three hours, sat in the bar. You can drink. By the time you actually play, you're just like, get me out of here. But <laughs> yeah. that's the one thing, man, I don't miss. I still go to some rounds from time to time. The one thing I don't miss is like when you don't know anyone, you're just trying to be in there. Like you're just trying to meet people. You just have to sit there and tr- like try to work up conversations and try to meet as many people as you can. And I... I it can be brutal. Yeah, it, should just, it could just be brutal. Yeah, that's the it's best way to describe it. It's brutal and
1: it's lonely and a lot of people are nice, but it's hard to get people who actually want to like sit and talk like,
0: like this. Exactly. So
1: it, that's one, what's one of the things early on with tour stuff. I was like, I got to make this as chill as possible. Totally. And even if it's at the expense of, I don't want to say talent because that makes me sound like a douche, but it's like, I don't want, even if it's the biggest mega songwriter, if this person who's a jerk wants to play, and this person is going to be a jerk to everyone that yeah. kind of just trickles down. And I was like, I don't want people to associate my thing with people being mean.
0: Totally. It's like,
1: I want people to associate my thing with just like, nice people are here. It's low key. You're probably going to see some of your friends. And it's like, and, and Aaron will be nice to you. Like I'll yeah. be there. And if I sit and talk to people who are awkward all day long, that's what I'm there for. Because some people just need a buddy.
0: Well, I, I want some... I always resonate with people that I can talk about normal stuff with like football and other stuff because otherwise you go to Midtown and it's the same same conversation over and over again. It's, it's hey, man, how's it going? Cool, man, what are you up to? Oh, just, you know, working, putting out songs. And it's like, <laughs> oh, just... You Sweet. know, got a new single coming out. Oh, cool, cool. It's like, I don't really care. Right? You know, I've, had,
1: I've had that conversation a million times. Just, so have you. Like, got
0: a single coming out. And I mean, you got to do it. But he I tend to, when I can meet somebody up and be like, how's the family going? And then it's, you know, like I'm giving them crap about their football team. And, or whatever, whatever. Like, I would
1: so much rather come up to you and say, how's your sister, Emily? Cause you're going to be like, you remember my sister, Emily? <laughs> yeah, no, I do. You do. <laughs> it's
0: like, but, I, I, I love being able to do that because I do give a shit about my friends. Exactly. So yeah, so it's, it's a good, uh, once you find your crew, it's a lot find more your
1: crew. That's good advice for yeah. anybody moving here is just find a crew,
0: find your crew. And, and once again, once you have your camp, you know anybody who's on the rise it's gonna help you and you just continue to to work it so
1: well what is the release date of this new single
0: uh, so then there was You came out um, October 3rd, which October was 3rd. Uh, Mean Girls Day. That's mm-hmm. why I picked it. It's October 3rd. Nice. And then, so go check out that song. That's on all platforms. And then, Tell Me Something I Don't Know is coming out December 2nd, which is my birthday. That's just a couple days away from here. Yeah. So my birthday is December 2nd. So happy if, early birthday, buddy. If you buddy. want to give me a lovely birthday present, you can <laughs> uh, share the song. But your birthday's coming up in My two birthday's weeks, right? coming
1: up here, too. So there we go. Happy, uh, happy Scorpio season. Is that there what it go. is? There we go.
0: I don't even. I don't, I don't, know. don't even
1: know. <laughs>
0: Seems like something
1: a girl on Instagram would say. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I got one more question for you. All right. Outside of the music industry, Nashville's a cool freaking city. Do you have places you like to go for someone who might be visiting, or just for people who live here and uh, might want to check something out? Do you have places that you'd recommend people check out?
0: In, like, kind of outside yeah, of Nashville, in Nashville, or Nashville. Or and, I mean, it can
1: be a venue. Like, if you dig Live Oak or whatever, tell people to go there. But if you got restaurants, bars, venues,
0: parks, anything you like to do, I like to get uh, everyone's yeah.
1: perspective on what they enjoy doing.
0: Um, Leaper's Fork, for sure. If you have time, if you're in Nashville, either, like, rent a car or whatever, but go to Leaper's Fork, there's a distillery there. But not even the distillery. There's, like, a cute little town with... Um, a little bar and it's a music venue and it's just the entire drive out there is beautiful tennessee countryside it's, about 40 it's like 40
1: minutes west of town right
0: yeah like southwest mm-hmm. but there's also we go to natchez trace bridge and it's like this valley overlook this bridge beautiful. overlooking this valley and it's just it's very authentic tennessee you know what i think nashville is truly about and what like just how beautiful Tennessee is mm. in general. I think, you know, you want to get off the beaten path. That's the place to do it. So Leapers, Oregon, it's only, you know, it's, it's probably 45 minutes. Great recommendation. So really cool spot. Really cool drive.
1: Well, Tommy, before we take off for the day, before we wrap it up, would you please give us your plugs? Tell folks where they can Absolutely. find you online.
0: Uh, it's, um, Tommy underscore O'Keefe at Tommy underscore O'Keefe is my Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. And if you want to go to Tommy O'Keefe.com, um, <laughs> I have my merch on there. So you guys buy a whiskey on a weekday t-shirt or whatever you got to do. Hell yeah. But, uh, yeah. Tommy O'Keefe.com.
1: I will have your Instagram and your website in the episode link description. So if you'd like to follow Tommy right now, just click on your podcast platform and hyperlink. Click that thing and it'll take you right to Tommy's stuff. Yeehaw, baby. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nashville Tour Stop. You can find our complete show calendar on our website at NashvilleTourStop.com. So in the meantime, give Tommy O'Keefe a follow and do remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour South.